In football, the fourth quarter is where the magic happens. It's where games are won, where champions are made, and in business, it's where sales teams become legends. That's why HubSpot built Sales Hub to give sales reps the deal-making tools they need to win their Q4. Sales Hub's prospecting workspace organizes your schedule, goals, and to-do list in one place to save your team precious fourth quarter time. And smart sequences help sales reps close deals faster than ever. So get ready to dominate Q4 with Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey friends, hey, it's Nikayla here and I'm back with another episode of Side Hustle Pro. So today in the guest chair is Terry Nichelle Bradley, the founder of Brown Toy Box. Launched in 2017 as a STEAM kit, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics, Brown Toy Box evolved into a full-scale educational toy company producing and curating STEAM toys, media, and experiences for centering and celebrating Black children in a manner all children can enjoy, learn, and have fun. Terry Nichelle believes that Black children should see themselves positively represented in every space they experience regularly, starting with their toy box and the toy aisle. So she is on a mission to disrupt the $27 billion toy industry by creating a brand that reflects the world we live in today. Brown Toy Box is sold in Target stores nationwide, on Amazon, as well as in independent specialty toy stores and retailers. In today's episode, you'll hear about Terry Nichelle's journey from top PR executive to entrepreneur with retail distribution of her product. Let's get right into it. Hello, Terry. Welcome. Welcome to the guest chair. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you. I've never had anyone, you know, who's created something like you have, and I'm really excited about it. I was excited when I discovered that it exists, so I had to find out more about the person who created it. So tell me a little bit about your background. I know that you had a consultancy at some point, but how did you get to that point? What was your education experience and so forth? Yeah. So my background is in uh, communications. So I had been working in every aspect of public relations. So I started my career as a publicist or junior publicist for Sesame Street Live. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was doing the promotions for Cookie Monster and Bert and Ernie whenever they would go into different markets and that kind of thing. Um, Hooking up uh, Big Bird with like weather show appearances, that kind of thing, you know. Get out. Um, Yeah. So I started my career there. And so I, I always say I did everything in PR with the exception of uh, consumer and um, investor relations. So I okay. did Corpcom, Crisis, all of those kind of, you know, much more corporate kind of things, uh, but never had, had did a lot of consumer PR. And I got to a place where, um, so we're going to go in early. So I got to a place go, where- Go, go all the way in. <laughs> listen, I was- 
I had turned 40 and <laughs> I was um, in this kind of funky place, right? Yeah. I was like, is this what I want to be doing with the rest for the rest of my life, right? right. Um, and then I was going through a really nasty divorce. And I was at that point working in crisis communication for the largest PR agency, largest global PR agency, um, uh, uh, Edelman, I'll just say it. And I wasn't happy. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but I also knew that as I was going through this divorce, I couldn't travel in the way that I was traveling for crisis. Crisis, if there's a, you know, if there's an issue, you have to go, right? And I knew that I wouldn't be able to do that. And so at that point in my career too, I was, you know, I, I knew I wasn't happy, but I just couldn't put my finger on all the things because I wasn't happy in any aspect of my life. Right. So I was going through this divorce. I wasn't happy with my church. I wasn't happy. You know, I was like, not all the right, church, sorry. too. <laughs> yes, the not church, the church too, right? too. All of it. All of it. I mean, I just felt like and I talk about it all the time. I felt like I was living this facade. Right. Oh. So everything looks really great on paper. I was oh. a, the highest uh, ranking black executive in the Atlanta office in this PR agency had this marriage, had kids, you know, active in my church, all those things, but it all was just a really big facade. And so, uh, cause I just was miserable. And so I think, you know, God starts dealing with you. Right. And he's right. like, look, if you don't move some things, I'll move some things for you. And that year, as I said, I started going through that divorce. I, um, had become like this token in my office, Right. Like I was the highest ranking black executive, but right. I was the only one. Right. And never so at that good. point, and it never feels good. And at that point, you know, people weren't talking about being an introvert. Right. And I was an introvert. And in PR agencies, oftentimes it's about the extroverts and the biggest personalities and the loudest in the room. And you know, in a lot of offices, in a lot of brainstorming sessions. Yeah. Right. And introverts, we don't brainstorm like that. Mm-hmm. Right. We need to go back in our office, shut the door right. and really get the think, quiet right? time, have some quiet time. And I'm going to give you something great, but you got to let me have a moment. Right. Right. And so um, it just came to a point where I was like, I got to do something different. Right. And so I had a true mountaintop moment. I was going around. There's a mountain here in, in, in Georgia, Stone Mountain. And so I was dragging myself around that, trying to get fit. Still hasn't worked, but working on it. Um, it's a journey. Um, and I, I was asking God, you know, to show me my purpose. Yes. And this and this is how this all came to be. But before I got to Brown Toy Box, I did do that consulting because I was like, if you're going to have me be the token PR mm. black PR girl. I might as well do it for myself and do it in a way Hello. that's authentic Hello. and do it in a way that feels good to my spirit and leaves my community better than how I found it. And so I started working with, you know, Fortune 500 brands um, on some of their issues around diversity that's and inclusion. Amazing. What did it take for you to go out on your own, though? Because I know that wasn't easy, even though you had the skills to mm-hmm. now approach clients and mm-hmm. let people know what you're doing. How did you go about actually exiting and starting? What was the transition period? How long did it take you to get ramped up? So because I live in a spirit of full transparency, I got fired. Okay. I got fired. So I was going through this divorce and it was tumultuous right and it was and that's not, not a bad a, thing by the way i said okay because i wasn't expecting that level of transparency no, but right? i appreciate it People shout lie. out to getting fired and getting pushed <laughs> out sometimes Some, into your right? purpose exactly because remember what i said was god says if you don't 
do it for mm-hmm. yourself. I'll do it for you. Right. Yes. And I, I mean, at that point in my career though, I would sit in my car in the parking deck and cry before it was time to go in oh, or on Sunday Lord. nights, I would have that feeling in my stomach. I was like, God, I just don't want to go. Right. And so I just could not perform. And I just felt this, I was being crushed under this weight yes. of like the tokenism of being like, you know, they started diversifying, but from the bottom. So everybody in the office wanted to, you know, use me as their mentor. And I was like, Y'all, my life is falling apart. I cannot do this right now, right? And so um, I got fired. But the funny thing is, as I was going, I'll never forget this, as I was going down the elevator with my box in hand, I was not sad. I was not scared. I I just felt relief, right? So it was almost that thing where, you have to be, you know, again, God's like, I'm gonna look, either you go listen to this whisper or I'm gonna make it real loud and plain for you. And that's exactly what happened. And so it took me, you know, a little while. I was like, girl, you have all the context, you have all the relationships, you know, you were the, you know, you brought the sauce, right? Yeah. And so um, I just started, I immediately started doing consulting. I, I think I also realized, and I was just talking to one of my girlfriends about this earlier this week, uh, I was not, a, I'm not a great employee. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm just not. I mean, like, sometimes I, I think, that. you yeah. know, I'm like, I always put in, like, when I would put in, like, uh, vacation notices, I'm right. just letting you know I'm going to be out. Like, it wasn't right. really, wasn't I'm not really asking. A I'm not asking. I'm just <laughs> letting you know I'm not going to be here next Thursday. Now, whatever you need to do, I didn't give you a heads up, right? Right, and so right. it's like, but the funny thing is now as a business owner, I'm like, I wish somebody would just put, you know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> right. And so you get, you get this other side of empathy that, you know, mm-hmm. that as, as a business owner. But yeah, so then I, I just started consulting and I, and I still knew I wasn't quite in my purpose, but I was closer. And yes. that was the start for me. And did you consider, I mean... I know you just said you're not a great employee, but did you, <laughs> while you, in the early days of consulting, were you like, well, I, I might just need a little job to buffer me while yes. this ramps yes. up? Did you think about that? Did I you did. do that? I did. No, I did not. At that point, I didn't. I just consulted, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, which was great. But when I got ready to start Brown Toy Box, yes. you know, um, I did do that. I took a part time. So let me tell you, math is not, my minister. And, and I, and I hate to say that because all my arts, all of our products focus on STEM and yeah, and no, yeah. You can't say that. that. I can't allow so, you to say that anymore. Okay, so I'm not going to say that. But what <laughs> you I thought, say is, you, you, okay, thought, you can say that you thought, yes, I thought but it wasn't your ministry. Was ministry. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. The reason why I thought that is because mm-hmm. that was never nurtured in me as a kid. Right. Yes. So, you know, we're growing up, it was like, you know, after a certain, and it still happens this day after a certain mm-hmm. age, girls start feeling like they're not good at math. So then right. they, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. But I took a job as a night auditor uh, at a hotel so that I could have my days free to work on my business. That's real right there. Nighttime job. Like not enough people. I don't think I've had a lot of guests talk about that idea of doing a nighttime job so you can have the days free. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like a 24 hour. Absolutely. Right. And so I worked from um, 11 to 7. I'm the type of person that would take the night job and then go to sleep. (laughs) Listen, now there will be times. <laughs> like, I'm going to nod off for a minute. Right. And I was like, listen, and the thing was, I knew I didn't want to go out and get a job in my career field because okay. if I'm going to be working for someone, I am going to give you 100%, right? Yes, um, absolutely. I, I, I might think you're an idiot, but I'm still yep. going to give you 100%, right? And yep. so I didn't want to do that. I wanted some job that I did not have any true investment in. I just needed a check so I could keep the bills paid while I was building my business. And so that's exactly what I did. And I did that. And and that's an important tip right there, guys. 
Be smart in the job you choose to take when you decide to give more attention to your side hustle, right? Like, you're not going to go for the super extreme, you know, and it's not that it's not possible, but if you have Mm -hmm. a choice, it may be time to revisit, okay, what can I do for work? And you've heard this from guests before, you know, you have to take the pride out of it too. Like, oh, just because you have this fancy degree doesn't mean you can't work a front desk job so you can pay the bills and grow your side hustle. So I love that you mentioned that. So tell Man. us about how the idea for Brown Toy Box came to be. So, you know, I kind of talked about that mountaintop moment that I had when I asked God to show me my purpose. And yes. what I heard back was, look at your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I started reflecting back on all these different occurrences in my life. So I was, I'm a child of the 70s and I was raised in St. Paul, Minnesota and in the 70s, right? Not a whole lot of diversity. Uh, But my mother, with her 10th grade education, was probably the smartest woman I knew. And I did not realize that at the time, because of course, you always, you know, you never give your mother credit when, you know, you're a kid, right? Um, And so she and my father made sure that we had all these examples of positive representation around us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They want, you know, my mom was the mom that would like color our Barbies in brown with the Sharpie, right? (laughs) Um, She would make sure that we had Ebony and Jet magazines in the house. And, And while she hadn't attained that level of success, like career success, right? She wanted to make sure that we saw it and that we knew that it was possible, right? And so that was probably one of, when I think about Brown Toy Box, I think about that moment. And then I think about fast forwarding when I became a mom myself, how just like she did, I would drive around looking for toys, books, games, all the things that positively represented, you know, my children. And, um, you know, very just normal things like window clings, like, you know, people take that for granted. Like I want holiday window clings that have black children on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I could never find it, you know, and now we make them. And so, you know, it was born out of a need for making sure that our children saw themselves positively represented. But also, you know, for me, Brown Toy Box is a mission driven business. Right. We're trying to disrupt generational poverty. Right. And it goes back to what I kind of talked about, about math. Right. So that thought of that seed that was planted, like you're not good at math. And then that goes with you for. But what if that seed was planted that you're great at math? Right. So then that would impact the majors that I mean, the the courses that I took and the major that I took in college and then that career field. Right. I do believe everything happens for a reason. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But I want to make sure that black and brown children see themselves represented in STEM, STEAM, because we put the arts in there. Right. Yes. And that they know that um, they really can be anything that they want to be. But they also have the comp. They they build their confidence exploring those different STEAM themes and those industries. And so getting them early and giving them recurrent exposure was super important to me. I love that. And, you know, I can intimately relate now that I'm a mom. And I think one of the things you said really resonates with me, which is what if a different seed was planted? And it doesn't even have to be the seed that you're great at something, but it can be the Mm -hmm. seed of you can do hard things, you can learn, you can get better. Because I think that is the common misconception. And even I fell victim to it as well when I was growing up. There's this misconception that 
people who are good at something, oh, they're just smart. As if they came out the womb knowing algebra. (laughs) As if they came out the womb knowing physics. No, 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 no. You can get better. You would be surprised at what I didn't realize. You'd be surprised at how many people are doing extra tutoring, you know, after school on the weekends. Their parents are putting them in everything. So that's why these resources are so important. Like people are not just born chemists and physicists. Okay. Absolutely. Let's talk about that. And they're not born that. with the confidence to explore it either, exactly. right? Exactly. So the confidence to, is huge. That confidence is, is huge. You know, so um, I was talking to some folks. I'm very active in the STEM community. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things that we t- hear all often is, you know, first of all, what we know for sure are Black STEM majors have the highest percentage of dropping out of that major, right? Because they're not getting that support. But yeah. even when uh, Blacks then go into STEM careers, um, what I've been told by friends at Google and at Facebook and some of these other tech companies is, is that they don't feel, have, they still don't have that confidence to just kind of jump in there with their ideas or jump right. in there with this because they don't want to be wrong yes. publicly, right? Yes. Because they think that they're going to affirm what other people are thinking of them. Hello, that that's a huge issue. And I've seen it firsthand Absolutely. myself. Absolutely. And so what if though, you know, I, I always say, you know, my goal in life is to have the confidence of a mediocre white man. That is my goal <laughs> in life, right? Yep. Because what if you could walk in a room and just be like, I am that girl. I am that guy, right? Yep. And this is this is my idea. And whether it's good or not, then you if, it, if it's not, then you throw out another one, yep. right? But the fact that we're so afraid to be wrong, and that starts in childhood, right? It and does. so we want kids to really be able to test and and explore, right? Because what we say is you never know is what's going to, you know, activate a child's imagination and make sure that they're, you know, they get an opportunity to to explore these different things, right? And to be able to try and test and fail and succeed. And, you know, I've learned so much more from my losses than my my wins. Oh, me too. Yeah. You know? The wins and are okay. the mindset. I, the mindset piece is so key. So that's why this exposure is so helpful too. Like yes. the confidence starts with the freedom and ability to explore and test and realize that's okay. And then as you mm-hmm. explore and test, you're going to get things wrong. And to also realize mm-hmm. that's okay. All right, that's part mm-hmm. of the process. That is so important. Now, when you started it. What was your goal and expectation? Was this something you were going to create for like your kids and your your cousins and the family? What was what was your initial thought process so, with that? When I started Brown Toy Box, we started as a subscription box. And I don't okay. know if you remember, but there was right a off the game, of subscription right off, boxes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so I was like, I'm going to have this hot subscription box. And I'm going to have this <laughs> in it. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to have everybody it. Everybody thought it was so easy. Everybody thought it was easy. When I tell you, I could not wait to get out the subscription box business. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Like, war stories. And then I wanted to have where I only source from, you know, black makers and creators and authors, yeah. self-published authors and all that was great idea. But then when a you limit. get into the business, yes. It's, it's yes. Right. But when we first started, we we're just in our dining room, folding, putting the boxes together, putting stuff in there. I had no business acumen whatsoever. Right. I could talk about what we were doing. I mean, like these, I would be like, this is so cute. And this, yeah. everything comes with everything came with like a book on a black trailblazer, a hands-on activity, and then some one, one other fun thing to reinforce the theme, right? Which is right. kind of what is in our steam kits now, but you know, it's just our IP. Um, but I just, I just did not look at cost. 
right? Mm-hmm. I didn't look at the seasonality, you know, yeah. where people are going to, because I launched in October and I thought, oh, wow, everybody's buying all this. It's because it was for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't think about what happens after Christmas, you mm-hmm. know, when you have a children's product, right? Because people aren't buying a lot of toys and games. And, and even though these were educational, they're not doing right. a lot of that in January, February, March, right? right. And so, um, And so I just didn't have any business acumen. So mm-hmm. I launched in October, shut down in June, right? You shut and down. I, said, <laughs> I had to shut down. I had to send a letter to all my subscribers, which was probably, yeah. I, don't, I don't even remember how many was. But I said, listen, until I can get some type of uh, capital injection yes. here, um, I've got to push pause. The truth was, which I didn't even realize at the time, it wasn't just capital that I needed. I needed business acumen. I, so I, that's when I started in this journey of incubators and accelerators and all mm-hmm. those different things, because I was like, whatever I'm lacking, yes. I need to make sure that I'm addressing, right? Whatever what, those what gaps are, I have to address. gaps were you addressing? What specific things have you learned in those incubators that were helpful? So what I will say, most incubators, the most you get out of them is our community, is community, right? right. So you, you, but that community is valuable. So I don't discount that. That's really important. But the most you typically get out of those are is, is, a, is a great community. But there were things like really understanding, you know, my why, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how that. So that was the easy part. But then it was like the, the the tough stuff, like getting your financials, understanding your margins, understanding um, your, your customer, right? The customer discovery process. All of those yes. things were really really important. Um, and so making sure you have the right legal structure, right? Oh, yes. um, when I first started, I was co-mingling money like crazy, right? Like I would, I would <laughs> we all do Target, that. We're like, we're right? Out of right? It. Exactly. You know, it's my money. They don't know that's the business money, right? And so, you know, pay yourself and then, then use that money. But there were so many things I just did not know, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not have the mentors or yes. the advisors at that time. Um, to to tell me different, like I was just going off a of gut, and my gut was wrong. And so, um, but Hello. <laughs> but, I, but what I knew was I all you know I felt like when I had that mountaintop moment, this was given to me as my assignment, right? So I said, mm-hmm. well, God's not going to give me the vision without the provision, and that mm-hmm. has that has sustained me throughout the lifeblood of Brown Toy Box. That's real, right there. That when you said you know I was trusting my gut, but my gut was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us want to go with our gut. Listen, if your gut mm-hmm. don't know nothing about business, your gut might right. be wrong. <laughs> it's probably wrong if you don't know anything about your margins, right? So I would buy yeah. things. I'm like, this is so cute. And the cost of the box, I think, was like $34. Yeah. And I would have spent like maybe $30 on product and things wow. for the box. Had and then you have to ship Right. Hadn't considered shipping. My first year, I did, or that, well, not, yeah, my first year, I did not put on my website a cutoff date for Christmas. Yes. Right? And so I was shipping things, like, on the 20th, like, today, so that it would get there in time for Christmas. So I would spend, like, $100 on a package that I was only going to make $34 on. So it just wasn't sustainable. So I no. did the incubator accelerator and then I came back and I was in a much stronger position. And then, you know, later on, I was able to evolve into an actual toy company. Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. 
Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. If you want to check it out, definitely start with episode, what really goes into writing a sales email. It was a recent episode from September. And I know that a lot of you guys can feel a little stumped at how to create an effective sales email and sales funnel. Well, in this episode, you get a real life example with a real business owner in the hot seat that walks you through what it looks like to write a great sales email. So listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. And then besides the shipping, like what were some other challenges about the subscription box industry itself that made you just (laughs) want to get out of it? Yeah, so it's a volume business. That's the thing about subscription box. It is a volume business, right? And so as you're trying to get your subscribers up, right, like it, you still, you're still paying, you know, the price per unit is a lot higher because you don't have, you're not ordering the volume to get those, that, that cost down. Right. So mm-hmm. it was that it was, you know, there's no grace given to, um, to, I, I'm just going to be frank. There's no grace given to black entrepreneurs. Right. Yes. And so um, I think where we give grace, like, you know, let Gucci do something. We'll, we'll still go buy Gucci. You let mm-hmm. us do something that I was trying to support a black business. Right. So <laughs> I was, I was like, okay. this and is why. why. Right. Right. Exactly. And so I was, I was operating out of fear, right? Like yeah. I didn't want anybody to come for me on social media. I didn't want this. Yeah. I didn't want that. And so there were all these, there, there was a lot of challenges. Now, remember I wanted to have a two-sided, a two-sided social mission. The other part of that was making sure that I was sourcing from, you know, self-published black authors and Mm -hmm. creators and that kind of stuff. Well, they also had volume issues too, right? Uh So they would commit to, you know, a number of orders or something like that, but then didn't, couldn't, you know, produce the volume. And then of course my customers don't know that they're just saying I didn't fulfill. Right. And so it just became very, but it was very clear to me very early that I did not want to be in the subscription box business and that I would have to, I wanted to, I still wanted to do what I was doing. Right. Mm -hmm. I still wanted to make sure that kids had books on black trailblazers, that they had the STEM materials, all that, but I wanted to do it in a different way. And it was during the pandemic that we were able to evolve into a toy company. Isn't it funny how much clarity the pandemic provided? It it had, there's so much trauma and PTSD that we still have to unpack from it. But at the same time, because we all had to pivot, these new and a lot of times new and improved ideas Mm -hmm. came from it. So um, that's really amazing. Before we jump into how it shifted though, I want to pause and, you know, really highlight something you said. I used to work for a fashion retailer that did drop shipping. And Mm -hmm. I intimately remember I worked on the customer service side and social media marketing side. Well, as a social media marketer, I faced the customers, I should say. I wasn't trying to be in customer (laughs) service. And um, that is when I learned that you can have a sale and you can promise people that you'll get them stuff, but then a brand might short ship you. So if any of you guys are thinking about starting a subscription program, what Terry is referring to is people will promise you things. And for whatever reason, maybe units got damaged or they just, you know, under produced, but you will get short shipped and you have to figure out what am I going to do? How am I going to explain that to the customer? And it happens all the time. It's not a one-off. So be prepared for that in that business. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. How did you pivot during the pandemic? So, um, I think 
Like a lot of Black entrepreneurs, two things happened. Um, there were more dollars flowing um, mm-hmm. because uh, there was, you know, PPP, pandemic funds, that kind of thing. But then George Floyd, right? Yes. So, and you know, because I keep of hearing that. that. Everyone I'm interviewing this year, I keep hearing it. I mean, yeah. I knew it, yeah. but it is uh, another thing to see it reflected and to meet people who have benefited. I mean, not from his untimely right. and horrific right. passing, but just what happened as a result. Right. And so here's the thing about that. Everyone knew it was going to be short-lived. This new commitment mm-hmm. to equity was going to be short-lived. Right. But I, as, I, as I told my friends, you better get in while you can. Because yep. this people have short memories, right? And it will and help so, you scale. And it will help you to scale. And that's exactly what happened. And so for us, um, during the pandemic, we had been, you know, part of our business we sell to schools, right? We test in schools and we sell to schools. And so we had a bunch of orders that got canceled because when the pandemic happened, all the schools had to pivot to technology, right? So these enrichment kits that they were ordering from us, they're like, that's not a priority. (laughs) But luckily for me, the PPP, and we did not get much, but but it sustained me to be able to keep people on staff, right? Mm -hmm. And I only had three people at the time, but um, it it sustained me in that way. But also what we knew was it wasn't going to last long with just technology because the um, essential employees were the parents of the students that we were providing kids to, right? Because we primarily for schools were Title I schools. Those are the kids whose parents had to go to Kroger, had to go to, you know, all these other places to the, you know, and and still work while the rest of us were able to be at home. And so what that meant was those children didn't have anyone making sure that they were getting online at whatever prescribed time and those kind of things. And so by that September, of 20, we had a bunch of schools come back to us and say, we need these enrichment kits. And between PPP, some capital dollars that started flowing a little bit easier um, Mm -hmm. after um, the murder of George George Floyd, and then these school contracts, we were able to then create our own products, right? So to go in Mm -hmm. production and prototype and all those kind of things. And then we got our target deal. Tell me a little bit more about, and then we got our target deal. That sounded so smooth and simple. You just slid that in there. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's how so did funny. it come about? It is the, it is, it is. Okay. So I did a pitch competition, new voice yes. is fun pitch competition. Okay. Um, and um, I did not do particularly well. I mean, I didn't do bad. I didn't do poorly. So there was 10 mm-hmm. of us. I think I got fourth or something, but we were able to watch the judges deliberate. And I was listening to some of the judges. They're like, yeah, it's a toy. And there's a lot of dolls out there. And I was like, we don't do dolls. That's, that's not who we are. We're, yeah. you know, we're education, education toys, that kind of thing. But, you know, all we could do is listen to the judges deliberate, whatever. But at the same time, I started writing down everyone's names and titles. Mm-hmm during this pitch competition. Yes. And I then, let me put you on game. If you're not on LinkedIn, you need to be. Um, yes. And and so I would tell all your listeners, like Instagram and TikTok for consumers, yes. But for your business, you need to be on LinkedIn. Yes. And so I started connecting with all these people on LinkedIn and I saw Target Supplier Diversity was having office hours. So I signed up for office hours. Um, now this is over. So I did the pitch competition in September, signed up for these office hours like top of October. And so great conversation, like maybe three weeks later, somebody from Supplier Diversity reached back out to me like, hey, that was a great conversation we had. I want you to talk to my boss. So I talked to her boss and she, so then she was like, Hey, 
that was a great, the boss, that was a great conversation. I want you to talk to this team at Target. Nice. So talk to them. And then they were like, okay, we're going to get you ready for the toy buyer. So we, mm-hmm. you know, they worked with me. We did like a mock line review. So if you've not, if you, if you're a product company and you're trying to get into retail, they have what they have called a line review where they'll, you know, you present what you, you present your products. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we did this mock line review, um, uh, and they acted as if they were the buyer. They poked holes in all of my my pitch that came back. And then so bought, so we had a date to pitch the buyer January. And I'll never forget this. So we pitched January 4th. Now the team that was prepping me, they're like, listen, you're probably not going to get in, but take all the information that she gives you. And then you'll be able to probably pitch again. And I don't know, probably like seven to eight months, but this is a great opportunity for you to get all the information, right? So I was like, cool, we'll do that. Um, and so we pitched. Now, when I did my pitch, it's just just between us. Um, <laughs> when I did my pitch, I focused on my customer. I focused on the why. I focused on a lot of these other very important things, the, the target guests and how this would benefit the target guests. I did not focus on the product so much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so after we got off the phone, uh, I, but I focused on kind of what the subscription box looked like and that right. kind of thing. But when we got off the phone, I had we I circled back with that team and they're like, "Yeah, you did you did great, you did great, but you didn't really talk about the product." Mm. Okay, well, the reason why I didn't talk about the product is because I didn't have one. Um, <laughs> well, and, what do you mean you didn't have one? So what were so you actually pitching at this point? Like I was pitching a one-time box, or is this no. box going to change? So at this time, Target was looking at folks who had subscription boxes yes, um, and to see how they could bring those D to C providers into in store. Right. But D to C meaning D to C direct to consumer. And okay. I've been doing all the research on what they were doing and how they were looking for it. But I had a, so we had prototypes, right? At this point I brought on a toy designer. We had all these things, but what I had heard was target typically will make you redesign your packaging. Mm-hmm. Now, we already had capital constraints, right? Yeah. I knew that I would not be able to afford to do it twice, yes. right? So what what I said was to my what I said to myself, I said, "Look, Terry, we're going we're going to do this, but let's present to Target. Let's co-design the box, right? Okay. So they know what their guest likes. I know what my customers will respond to, and let's co-design. And they were really open to that. And so that's really what I was, I had, so we had all the elements. We just hadn't produced things. I shouldn't say we didn't have a product. We hadn't produced it yet. Right. Got it. And so, um, and so I pitched target, pitched the buyer, um, explained, you know, really went through why this was important, how it would be disruptive, why it's important to have it in the educational toy section. You know, I, I stress, we are not a doll brand. We are doing right. like these steam kits. We're doing these kind of things. And so, um, um, so that was on Friday. And so we had get, you know, the team and I, we had kind of talked through, um, like, if we get it, maybe mm-hmm. we'll get like 10 stores or maybe even like three markets, something like that. And, you you know, right. So we kind of kind of gamed which markets we would ask for and that kind of thing. So that was Friday. On that Monday, I get a call from the buyer. And I was like, she's going to tell me that I'm not ready and, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things. Right. So I was ready. I, was, I had all weekend. I was mentally preparing myself because I was like, I know they said I can pitch again in seven, eight months, but I really, really want this. Yeah. So she, she called me that Monday and she was like, Hey Terry, I just wanted to call you and let you know that we want you in store. Now, oftentimes you get .com first, right? But yep. um, she's like, we want you in store. And I was like, 
great. And I'm just like, shake. I'm like so excited. And I was like, how many markets? And I'm thinking she's going to say three, maybe 10. What if I get like <laughs> 40, right? 40 stores. Yeah. How many doors will I get? She said, we want you full chain. What? Right? Which is every single store, right? And so I was like, oh my gosh, so excited. But then I was like, oh shoot. Because how are you going to do that? that? How am I going to pay for that? How am I going to pay for that? Right. And so um, that's when I had to go into. So it's funny because there's three hard things about retail. First mm-hmm. is getting in. Right. Yes. And then it's and then it's onboarding because that is a whole process of itself. Right. You know, yeah. and so, you know, I found a great vendor rep to kind of do all that part for us. But then the other part is staying in. Right. Mm. And so we launched in Target during a supply chain crisis. Right. So this is where containers uh, we produced in China, like 90 percent of all toy companies and, um, you know, containers that were two thousand dollars were now costing twenty to twenty five thousand dollars. Right. Price gouging was ridiculous during the during the pandemic. And so I was I was so I had to start raising funds and it was a very, very stressful process. And then they were getting stuck, right? Like as they were coming over. And yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So some they were just being stuck at the port. So first, the, the challenge was getting the capital to to get started. So I um, I am here because of really strong women, right? Mm-hmm. There were very strong women who advocated for me and for Brown Toy Box. Nice. Um, the, the first uh, the first. Uh, uh, investment in, in Brown Toy Box was from, from Google for startups. I did that. Okay. I did that um, with Jewel Burke Solomon. Um, I did that incubator. I got a $50,000 um, non-dilutive grant. And um, that's what got me to prototyping. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and then from there, there were other women from, there's an organization called CEO um, mm-hmm. where they will you know, give, give you a, a hundred thousand dollars, zero interest loan. Um, but it's, it's very competitive and they selected five women that year. Um, and I just happened to be one of them. Um, so that was a blessing. Um, Melissa Bradley from 1863 Ventures. She went hard for me. Um, there's an organization here in Atlanta called Atlanta Wealth Building Initiative. Um, uh, Latresa uh, uh, Thornton, she went hard for me. Um, and then uh, the, the economic development arm of the city uh, of Atlanta, because one of the things that founders say in Atlanta is if you want to raise money, you have to leave Atlanta, which Ooh. particularly. And why did they say companies. that? Because it was true. <laughs> That's why they said <laughs> it was true. Um, Atlanta is a Atlanta is a market that oftentimes they want the powers that be want to see someone else do something first and uh-huh. then they will do it. So they gotcha. will follow on, but they won't start. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had just some really amazing women that went to bat for me. Um, and I would not be here. Um, you know, there are a CDFI. So that's another non-traditional bank, right. Yeah. Community development investment what so you CDF? went to the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund. Yes. There All right. I went to the, take I went from to the there. CDFI. Yes. yes. So I went to a CDFI um, called ACE. And, you know, there's a really amazing woman, um, Grace Fricks, who leads that. And she mm-hmm. said, listen, I'm going to go in. And if anybody tells you no, they're going to need to tell me why. And that's what all five of these women said to me. If they tell you no, you've done the incubators and accelerators. You've got great credit. You've got a great product, right? You've got POs in hand. I had 
like almost a million dollars in POs from Target, but I could yeah. not get access to capital. Wow. And so, you know, with those things, go- even with all those things going for me, and I had, yes. you know, an amazing POs being board purchase board. orders, right? Yeah, yes, POs being purchase orders. So right? did this and delay so- the process of actually starting with Target? Because it seems like you got approved, but then you needed to raise money to be able to yeah. scale production to deliver to Target. Did they help at all with that process? No, mm-mm, no, that's not, okay. like that's not our job. <laughs> <That's> not <laughs> our, but no, um, no, I I worked my tail off from that January when we got that mm-hmm. we want you full chain till yeah. October when we delivered. Um, and we did deliver two weeks late, but okay. it was because of things sitting in the port. Got right. It. And yeah. us not being able to get our products out. And so, yeah. um, um, but we were able to get it done. Like we were able to get, raise all the capital that I needed to just get to Target. Yes. Right. So it was, it was a journey, but you know, we did it. Now, what can people find when they go to Target? Like explain exactly what Brown Toy Box is in today's iteration, because you've gone from subscription box, pivoted to Mm -hmm. making your own products. So just so everyone is clear. Yeah. So Brown Toy Box is a um, we are a toy company. Right. And we focus on um, 15 different steam themes, all of which where blacks make up less than five percent of the workforce um, at the highest levels. Right. Um, and some were less than one percent, like architecture and engineering, less than one percent. Right. And so we do it in a way that is um, purposeful, that is fun and culturally affirming. Right. So in each of our kits, so we've got, first of all, we've got steam kits, we've got giant puzzles, we've got books, we now have plush. And so we've got about 70 SKUs now. Okay. Um, and then we've got games and that kind of thing too. Um, but we've got about 70 SKUs. We've got uh, a line of college builds, HBCU edition. So those are replicas of HBCUs. We've got eight licenses right now. And so we are a educational toy company that, you know, really designing toys, books, games, content that center and celebrate black children in a way that they see themselves positively represented and they can expand their ideas of the possibilities for their lives. And we really are honing in on STEAM because those are the careers of the future. Um, and we see what's happening with AI now. We see what's happening in like yes. the job, like these jobs are being eliminated like crazy. So if we don't prepare our children to explore these STEAM pathways now, then they're going to be locked out of yeah. um, economic mobility. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and that's what we, you know, for me, I'm like not on my watch. And, so, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, you think about, you know, when you look, watch kids play, you can see their personalities coming out. You can see, you know, like when I was a kid, you know, people used to always say, you are so bossy. But now I know <laughs> I was just showing leadership qualities. You so, were. <laughs> I was just and that's it right leader. there. That's what we right. have to emphasize. Right. And we've got to turn those negative those negative uh, connotations of these different things into very positive things. Right. But, um, but we watch, you know, you watch kids play and you see them learning, you see them testing, you see them exploring. And mm-hmm. for all of it is about building their confidence to do it all. Right. Yes. And there's so much science about play-based learning. And so mm-hmm. we, we leverage that. We test, we test heavily in schools. Um, we test with teachers, we test the parents. And then of course, little learners. You distribute through your website and also Target. Are there other distribution channels? Yes, 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 yes. So we distribute through our website. Uh, we, uh, we, so we have all of our products on the website, but then yes. um, we are, we've got six SKUs in 
target um, and we're looking to grow that. Um, we have a line review coming up, so we're hoping that they'll bring in some more um, products. Um, we're on Amazon and then or we sell with Amazon and then we are, you know, because we're steam focused, we are we sell to zoos, uh, aquariums, botanical gardens because we've got a zoology theme. We've got, um, you know, we've got a marine biology theme. We've got like all of these different, we've got um, agriculture and so all these different themes and so it makes sense. We also sell to school systems in school districts because these are educational based play, you know, things. And so oftentimes like family engagement groups or, you know, like kind of like they buy the kids for like table play and those kind of things. So we've got um, our three big sales channels are uh, direct to consumer, which is probably our smallest one. And it, and it shifts, right? So it's a smallest one retail um, and then corporate partners and schools. Got so, it. This is yeah. a lot to manage. How big is your team these days? Just seven or seven. Just mighty seven. Folks. Wow. Just seven folks. Right. The now we've got seven. extended folks. Yes. Okay. We've got extended folks. Right. So we've got, you know, my accounting folks and then CPAs and, right, um, right. you know, some, uh, we've got, I've got an external sales team that we just brought on mm. in December. And then as far as the warehouse that holds all these yes. SKUs mm-hmm. and all of that, is that something that's in-house or something that no. you hired out? No, I work with an amazing warehouse, black woman owned um, yes. SJW Logistics. And, you know, and, and so, you know, it's interesting because when I first got my Target deal, they had never really worked with a brand that had a major, a mass retailer. And mm-hmm. I'd never worked with a warehouse or a mass retailer. So we kind of <laughs> learned together. Yeah. And now they've got all these amazing clients in their warehouse and I'm growing. And it, so it, we, we really are, you know, it's one of those things where like, you bet on me and I'll bet on you. And nice. that's what we did. And so we were both patient with each other as we learned the space. Um, but now I think we've got a good system down and um, I'm always sending business her way. What has been your experience on the money side? When we first started learning about Brown Toy Box, you said you were working a night job, mm-hmm. right, to mm-hmm. pay the bills. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what's been your experience with finally being able to leave pay yourself, make profit. How has that been? Yeah. So, you know, I think what entrepreneurs should know is there will be times when you have to take yourself off a of payroll so you can oh, pay yes. your right? That's real. And so what entrepreneurship looks like on Instagram is not what it looks like in the real world, right? <laughs> um, and so um, it's, That's it's a been bar. a journey, you know? Yeah. It, it's not like you will not be on a yacht anytime soon, right? <laughs> but <laughs> but it's been a journey. It's been amazing. The fact that I'm able, you know, I'm very proud, you know, when I say it's just seven, I'm mm-hmm. so proud that I'm able to support seven people's lives yes. and their, yes. you know, and, and their families and their mortgages and their dance classes and all those things for their children. So, seven people. Um, but you know, it, you know, it, we grow every year. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to do more every year and this year. So what happened, so I'll tell you, um, what happened after 2020. So for 2021, so we went into target 20, October, 2021 and then 2022 happened. So remember there was like all of this stuff at the port. And then mm-hmm. in January, 2022, all the retailers announced hey, we've got way too much inventory because first it was stuck and nobody could find anything. And then it all came in at once. Uh, So they cut some of, you know, some of the orders weren't like, we're not reordering anything right now because we've got got excess inventory. And that was across the board. And so, of course, that hurt 
our bottom line, but what it also was a lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about you when you lose, you learn, right? And so what I learned was we could not be a single retail company. Mm -hmm. So when you asked me about like, where else are we? It was so important to me that we diversify our retail channels because that could happen, right? Like you could think that you're going to have this huge order, Mm -hmm. but you know, a global supply chain crisis can happen or, yep. you know, what, or a, a store could, you know, uh, file bankruptcy and then, right. you're, you know, you're stuck. And so it, I was on a mission in 2022 to grow our sales channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has been instrumental. So, uh, you know, big box retailers, you get a PO, you deliver. I had great terms with Target has been phenomenal to work with, but I deliver and then they pay out, you know, net whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's how that works. But when you work with these smaller specialty retailers, it's more of a cash flow business. Right. So we wanted to have a better mix of uh, mass retailers and, and the specialty retailers because they, those pay out more frequently. Okay. Um, they're sm- much smaller orders, but they, you know, they keep the engines going. And yes. then, of course, you know, the schools as well. So there's different seasons for each parts of our business. Understanding that need to diversify is really important. And it's not saying um, stretch yourself and try to do everything and then, you know, fall short for everyone, but slowly start to think of, okay, where else can we be and how can we make it happen? Because, yeah, some of the bigger contracts will be amazing numbers, but they might take longer to pay. Or like you said, they might pause, cancel all this other stuff. So I, I absolutely relate to that. So before yeah. we jump into the lightning round, I'd love to know a little bit more about how you started out marketing the business and what you're doing these days to continue to grow brand awareness. Yeah, so um, I started out um, just doing like some Facebook ads, some, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Did you know um, what you were doing or you just kind of guessing? No, absolutely not. It was just throwing <laughs> stuff at the wall. Not at all. Not even a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and then um, we started like hiring kind of like freelance marketers. Yeah. I got played a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, everybody was like, oh, I can do marketing. And then you're like, oh, actually you can't. But what I learned was... <laughs> To like, there's not that I don't give you that much time to play, so you better come on and come on strong, right? Because yep, I've yep. gotten burned a few times. Um, and now we really do kind of lean into, uh, we're leaning into influencer. We're doing a lot of email marketing. Um, and so owning our list is super important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do social, but, you know, I'm never going to be one where I'm going to put give my business to somebody else to, to to lizardize with someone else, right? Yep. And so uh, we do a lot of email marketing. We do influencer. We do experiential events. Yes. Um, and and we do a lot of corporate partnerships. And through that, okay. we're able to grow awareness uh, with with those corporate partners and their employee teams and that kind of stuff. So it's been that's been pretty uh, pretty great for us. All right. So now we are going to jump into the lightning round. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. All right. You ready? Okay. Yes. (laughs) All right. Number one, what is a resource that has really helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? LinkedIn. Yes. Every one of my advisors that's on my team, and I have some amazing advisors came from LinkedIn. And do you have any tips real quick for success with uh, connecting with people? Because some folks go about it all wrong. Like how how have you been able to connect with strangers? 
very transparently, right? Like I will send a, a message, like when I do a connection request, if it's someone that I want, you know, to build a relationship with, I will send a message saying, love your content. I've, you know, I see that you are an expert in this. I actually have a gap in this space. Would love to talk to you about whatever. I don't do that. Hey, you got 15 minutes for coffee and then don't tell yeah. me what you want. That drives me crazy. Yes. So be very clear about what you want and just be respectful of other people's time. Um, and I think that really has, that has worked re- really well for me. But when I tell you, I've got like some of the top executives in, in, in Fortune 500s on my advisory board and all came through LinkedIn. Nice. Love that advice. All right. So who is a non-celebrity fellow Black woman entrepreneur who you'd want to switch places with for a day and why? I think B. Dixon, that could be interesting. Yes. Uh, Honeypot. I think that could yeah. be really interesting to you see, some, you know. Because she's been a target. She's uh, along. Yeah, 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 been there mm-hmm. for a while. Okay. And then mm-hmm. number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? I take walks. Like I'm a couple blocks away from a park. Yeah. And at a certain point during my day, I have to unplug and take a walk. Yes. Um, and that gets my creativity going. It gets me thinking clearer. It, you know, I, and, you know, cause I can sit in this chair all day from mm-hmm. 7am to 7pm, go home, change into my pajamas, take a shower, change into my pajamas and go back to work. Right. And so I need to get out. And so those walks are a lifesaver for me. You just reminded me I need to take one today. Okay. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> what is a personal habit about you that has really helped you significantly in your business? Um, no means nothing to me. Ooh. Right. And so I am one that the no's just get me closer to my yes or yep. the no's. It, it just helps me. Okay. Well, that's not you. So then I don't have to waste time there and I'm going to go, you know, so I just am tenacious and, you know, because again, I feel like this is my assignment that God gave me. It's just like, I, I, I just know that I'm set up to win. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I operate in that space. I believe that the, the world is conspiring for my good. Um, yes. And I operate I'm in that way. that. I'm receiving yes. that too. I love that. That's that's the mindset and the, the, the headspace mm-hmm. you have to be in for sure. Absolutely. So number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? It's scary, right? It, you have to acknowledge that it is scary. It is very yeah. real. You know, there were, when we first started, it was very lean and my kids were like, mom, it's your turn. You have sacrificed so much for us. We're, you know, we're, we're not going to have the vacations. We're not going to have the, you know, it, and the, and you have to know that there will be some sacrifice. I think it, it does people a disservice to make them think that it's going to be glamorous from, from yeah. the jump. Like it's not glamorous now. And I do some great things, yep. but I think it is just know that there will be sacrifice, but with that sacrifice will come great reward. Yes. You have to stay the course. You have to filter out advice. You cannot yes. take advice from everyone or you could take a piece here, a piece there. But if you keep, ch- if you let too many people pour into you, you're going to always be chasing all these different things and you'll never, mm-hmm. you know, really be centered. You have to have a North Star. You have I to know exactly that. where you're trying to go. Yes. All of yeah. that, all of that, you guys, that, you know, that resonates with me, of course, because yeah, sometimes I look around, I'm like, where's my glamour? Where <laughs> I'm like, right. I'm not on the yacht all the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean right. I'm never on the yacht. And <laughs> what am I talking about all the time? <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> delayed gratification. It's right. And it's yes. something me and my husband talk about because, yeah, we just have to really like be each other's center and remember what we are working towards. And it's okay mm-hmm. if it's not now, you know, because exactly. the world of Instagram out there will have you seeing people posting things and yeah. thinking like that's the reward and that's yeah. the goal. And that's not really your why oftentimes. So you have to really go back to that. And so I love that and you mentioned that. Real. And it's not real. Right? It's also not real. There's that. There's that as well. Mm-hmm. So where can people connect with you and Brown Toy Box after this episode? So we are at Brown Toy Box on all social media. And then I am Terry Nichelle Bradley on LinkedIn. So all right. You're going to see those LinkedIn requests now. And make sure y'all come <laughs> correct. All right. She told come you how correct. to come. <laughs> Yes. All right. Don't ask her for no coffee chat. Okay. Just come on. Just connect first. All right. Okay. (laughs) Well, Terry, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. This was life giving. This was soul filling. And I'm so glad to have you here. And I hope everyone goes out and gets Brown Toy Box. And, you know, let's definitely stay connected. So with that, you guys, I'll talk to you next week. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.